0: 5280 Church Podcast, because everyone needs more hope, genuine community, and a clearer picture of God's love. Hi there, and welcome into 5280 Church Podcast. 5280 Church exists for those searching to know God. Whether you are a longtime churchgoer or spiritually frustrated and homeless, We strive to create a safe space where you can come, interact with others on the same journey, and ask the tough questions. At 5280 Church, we believe that Jesus is the ultimate personification of God, but we encourage everyone to be in their own process of seeking, finding, and knowing God. No judgment, no exceptions. You can join our community at our website, 5280church.com, or on Facebook at 5280church. Each Sunday, we broadcast a portion of our service on Facebook Live to give you a taste of what your experience will be, and so you can meet some friendly faces. Tune in and interact with our host, asking your questions and digging deep into all things spiritual. In this series, Hashtag Blessed, we are taking a close look at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, a section commonly known as the Beatitudes. In this passage, Jesus declares a blessing over several categories of people, However, his choice of people groups is interesting. It seems he wants to write a script that flips our preconceived notions on its head. It's the poor, the weak, and the nonviolent that appear to receive Jesus's stamp of approval. What are we to make of this? And what does it actually mean to be blessed? Jump in with us as we seek to find the truth behind Jesus's famous mountaintop address. And without further ado, hashtag blessed.
1: everyone, if you have a Bible with you this morning, go ahead and find Matthew chapter 5. We're in the middle of a series called Blessed. And as you think about blessings, um, you know, in life we can think about all the good things and usually... You know, when we talk about being blessed, we think about, hey, you know, life is going great, got great kids, got a great family, got a great spouse, got a great car, got a great job, hashtag blessed, right? You know, and that's the Western way we look at blessings. But when we start talking about other experiences in life, deeper experiences in life, um, you know, where it's hard and it's God's work and it's painful, we don't feel so blessed. Well, you know, God's Word kind of flips that upside down and speaks a very different blessing in our life. And, you know, the way that we typically view blessing honestly leads us to one of two places. It usually leads us to saying, I don't really need God, you know, because we're like, hey, everything's going great. And then when the bottom falls out, then we might need God. The other place that it could lead us is, is that we don't want God. You know, we look at it and maybe we've tried to be blessed or whatever and God didn't meet our expectations, so we're just gonna blaze our own way, or, you know, life is good. Why bother to have him in our life at all? But when Jesus begins to look at the human experience and talk to Mount where he's this very honest life, he begins this message called the Sermon on the Mount where he's this very honest to both crowds, those that are religious, those that are irreligious. And he speaks his truth. He's like, hey, these experiences are going to happen in your life. We're all going to wrestle with some level of morality. We're all going to wrestle with some sense of good and decency in the world. And what he comes in and he says, in me is this life that I want to give you, a foundation, a support. And he begins with these series of statements where he says, blessed are those. And when we think about being blessed, you know, Jesus has a, a statement, a promise of blessing, a condition that we meet, and a promise that follows. And so his list is very different than ours. Last week, we looked at being poor in spirit. Not many of us wanna say, I don't have it within me to do this. That's a statement of humility. We don't like that because we're pretty prideful people. But Jesus says, for those that are poor in spirit, they receive the kingdom of heaven. So if we are to approach God and have his presence in our life, it's a simple exchange of saying, God, I don't have it within me to meet the standard, but you graciously wanna give it to me to make me blessed. Today we're going to look at the idea of blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Now think about this, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. I don't know that anybody that would go anywhere saying, God, I want you to bless me today. Please allow me to mourn. Right? Nobody asked for that. Nobody wants that. It doesn't sound fun. It doesn't feel good. But yet we will experience mourning in life. Believers, unbelievers, no matter where you are in the globe, we are going to experience things in life that cause us to want to curl up in the fetal position and cry ourselves asleep. We are going to have those experiences. And Jesus says, for those people and those people only, that's the condition, they'll be blessed because I'm going to comfort them. In other words, comfort really doesn't mean anything until you first find yourself in a place where you need it. You ever thought of that? So Jesus wants us to know that there's not an experience in life that we will go through where we cannot find him and find his blessings. So let's talk about why we mourn. You know, the the idea of mourning means to be at a sense of loss, to be at a sense of loss. In other words, it's to have our hearts broken, right? So for us to mourn means that our hearts are broken over several things. It could be over broken relationships, right? We could have the loss of a loved one in that relationship, that day-to-day connection, being able to hug them and talk with them and be with them today is gone, It's a broken relationship. Others of us, we have people that live on the planet that we don't get along with anymore. Some of us, it's our family. Some of us, it's the most trusted relationship we have. Broken relationships breaks our hearts brings us to a complete sense of loss, a sense of mourning, broken faith. Some of us have made promises to God or some of us have found ourselves in places spiritually that we never wanted to go, never asked to go, and thought we would never find ourselves in. And we know that maybe we've done things and we suspect that we've disappointed God and we feel like we can't come back home. There's a broken faith that's there. Creates a sense of loss, a sense of mourning. For others, it's broken dreams, missed expectations. I thought this would happen. I wanted this. I desired this. I planned for this. I hoped for this. I sacrificed everything for this. And after all, God, I was going to do it for you. And it didn't happen. Broken dreams, sense of loss. And then for others, you've been victimized, you've experienced the evil of someone else's brokenness, robbing you of innocence, security, and dignity. Every one of these situations brings us to a point where we sense loss. And the kind of loss that overwhelms us and makes us feel like we will never find comfort again. And Jesus says, those people, Those with broken hearts over broken relationships, broken faith, broken dreams, the brokenness of others, those people are blessed because I'm going to comfort them. So what does it mean for God to comfort? Well, a little bit about the Bible for those of you that are new to studying, those of you that are watching by Facebook, maybe you're new to God's word. The Bible was written, the original language was either Greek, Hebrew, or Aramaic. If it's Old Testament, it was written in Hebrew, If it's New Testament, it's either Greek or Aramaic. So in other words, to really understand what the Bible means, we have to be able to do a little language study, a little word nerd moment for you here. When you look at the word comfort, it actually means to call near. To call near. So God is saying in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of pain, at the midst of overwhelming, crushing loss, there's this voice that calls you near. God says that's the blessing that I, in the middle of that pain, would call you near. So today what I want to give you are five ways Jesus, Jesus comforts those who are overwhelmed by loss. How God uses this calling to come near to bring blessing in your life. The first one is this. Jesus was in your place of pain before you were. Think about it for a second. If God is calling you near in the midst of your pain, that means that he's already there. See, it's the difference between understanding as God is being present and God is being ever present. See, God is not just present. Jesus isn't just present. Present means that God is walking with you, finds himself in the darkness in the pain in the overwhelming loss the way you did, maybe even caught off guard the way you were. And it's one thing to say, well, God's walking with me in this, but that doesn't bring a very deep level of comfort. After all, we ask God, why? If you love me, why would you allow me to do these things? Why would you allow me to be here? And we all know that every human being faces difficulty and hardship, but we all ask this why question. Why? Because there's somewhere deep inside of us saying it's not supposed to be this way. And you're right. But we also know that for everyone... We will have these moments. And so if God is just with us, and he's powerless to do anything about our problems, our grief, our pain, and our broken hearts. But the Bible teaches us that God's not just present, he's ever-present. He's present with you walking into the trial. He's been present in the trial that you're walking into, and he will be present on the other side of that trial. He is ever present. There's not a time or place or circumstance or situation where God is not there. He's present, ever present, all the time in every and any circumstance. We see this in the psalms. It's like, God, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the mountains, you're there. I go to the valleys, you're there. If I'm crushed by the, the sea, you're there. God, if I, I try to hide in sin, you're there. If I rejoice in elation with you and praise, you're there. God, everywhere I go, you are there. Psalm 46 tells us that God is an ever-present help in a time of pr- trouble. There's not a place you can look, there's not an emotion you can feel where you will not find God there, calling you near. Isn't that amazing? That changes things, doesn't it? The fact that God is right there with you, has been there waiting for you, and will be there to see you through is pretty powerful thought. You want to know what he gives you? You want to know what that brings? It means that you're never alone. And the result is peace. Right? For a lot of us, we look at peace as being the absence of conflict. That's not true peace. Peace is being able to compose, you know, that calmness about you when everything around you is about to rage or is raging. Right When you read about the armor of God, if you um, read the Bible much, in the book of Ephesians, it talks about the armor of God. It's about a spiritual war, this internal raging that's going on around you, and it tells you to stand and withstand. And for a lot of us, the way we see that is, as I put on the armor, and I stand, and I'm ready to fight. It's like the Lord of the Rings kind of battle going around you spiritually, and you're suited up, ready to go, and you're going to take some people down. But to stand doesn't really indicate fighting at all. And then for some of us, we hear withstand. It's like, okay, everything's going to come at me and I'm just going to shoulder into it and I'm going to be throwing people off. The problem is you see yourself isolated on the battlefield and God is nowhere present. (laughs) If God's ever present, then standing and withstanding looks very different. It means he's right there. And for you to stand and withstand means you're standing right there with him. It looks more like a little kid clinging to their parents' leg than fighting any battle in their own strength. It's peace. Trusting in someone who is greater than you. In the midst of problems and trials and emotions and pain that are bigger than you but they're not bigger than him. Calling you near. Hold on to me. The Prince of Peace carries a sword because he does the fighting. You do the resting. Second truth, second way that we can experience God's comfort by hearing him call us near is that it means Jesus will carry you through the entire journey so in the midst of the wilderness of feelings in the midst of all the complexity of emotions the the grief cycle some days denial some days being overwhelmed by it, some days being numb by it, all of the mix of emotions and sometimes that all happening at once <laughs> there's this voice calling you near which means that he's ahead of you a little bit which means he's going to see you through Here's your way through. And you have to go through it. Listen, if you didn't weep, you have not loved. If you have not experienced disappointment, you have not lived or tried anything. It is not a weakness. It is your greatest strength. It means that you're actually engaged With your life and the world and the circumstances that are going on around you. You're supposed to feel it. And you're supposed to see that God's calling you in the middle of it, and He will carry you through. Listen, you ever had anything happen in your life where you like, God, I am not going another step with you. I am done with you. I want nothing to do with you. You were supposed to do this, and you didn't do it. I'm done. Three years down the road, you're still praying to him. Might not be fun prayers, but you're still talking to them. You're still this quiet tug in your heart. And it may look like heel prints and butt prints being drugged through the sand instead of that wonderful footprints in the sand poem where God carries you and the two sets of footprints disappear and it's just one carrying. Yeah, right. For me, we're, we're fighting along the way a lot of times. and God's okay with that. Because you do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize, who cannot empathize. He felt it. He lived it he overcame it because you can't see this is what's amazing he'll carry you through it means you don't have to do it in your own effort you don't have to pick yourself up you don't have to dust yourself off you don't have to make it happen for yourself you want to know what that means it means hope See, most of us live with wishes. I wish this didn't happen. I wish this happened this way. I wish I would have done this. I wish God would have done that. You know, for some of us, we're crushed by many things. God, I wish I had not sinned against you and now dealing with these consequences. God says it does not matter. I will carry you through. God, I wish that my spouse would love me and not reject me and not walk away from me. God's like, I will never leave you or forsake you. I love you. I will see you through this. Whether our hardship comes at our own hands or the hands of other people, God is there. God, I wish this person had not, you know, poured their evil out on me. God, I wish I had not become a victim. God is there saying, I will strengthen you. I will see you through. I will carry you. I love you. I care for you. And this does not change your worth. It's hope. The difference between a wish and a hope is who you're trusting to be healed. You're trusting a good God. And I know that's really hard, especially for those who have been victimized because you're thinking, "Yes, yeah, so much for God. When I cried out for help, he wasn't there. God loves all humanity. All humanity. Gives him love and grace unconditionally and sacrificially. That's the offer. Not just the good people. Not just the innocent people. And I know that's really hard to swallow. But if God starts playing the head counting game, when do I draw evil and when do I smite people and when do I don't smite people? At some point, you have to recognize that at some point you've hurt another human being, intentionally or unintentionally. Maybe not to the severity that you've been hurt. But when should God draw the line? He's chosen a broad path of grace to heal all, to love all, to show that he's there. And there's hope. There's hope for everybody. The third way that we can experience God's comfort is by realizing that Jesus wants you. Jesus wants you. He's calling to you. For whatever reason you're mourning, whatever reason you're at a loss, no matter where you are and what you believe, Jesus wants you. Where you are, just as you are. He's calling you near. There are no expectations of perfection. There's no need for selfies, filters, inspirational memes, or church masks. We don't grieve a little while, clean ourselves up, and then approach God. God wants you to come a complete mess, a complete wreck, or, well put together and trusting in him, God wants you just the same. That's the beauty of the gospel. Wherever you are, however you are, whatever the circumstances, God wants to be with you in that moment. Every moment. never regrets being there for a moment. He's calling you. To come near. He wants you. That ought to free us completely from any pretense, any idea that we have to church ourselves up before we can draw near to God. God doesn't see us that way. No matter what condition we're in, God values us deeply. Always has. Always will. So much so, he was willing to leave heaven and come to earth to prove it. So much so, that he wants to dwell within us by his spirit, never to leave us or forsake us. Never. We rebel and act selfishly, God doesn't leave. Find ourselves at a loss, He's right there crying with us. The Bible teaches us that he's close enough to catch every tear, keeps it in a bottle, writes down every record, every moment that you experience a loss, remembers it, and it marks his heart the way it marks your heart. This is not religion. This is Jesus. This is life. This is a God who is your ever-present companion. He wants you. You want to know what this is? It's rest. Comfort is peace. Comfort is hope. Comfort is rest. Come to me all, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Not a bunch of should-haves but rest. Another way that God comforts us is that Jesus will not allow any suffering to be in vain. Your sin and the pain it causes in your life, we know becomes a powerful testimony that can lift other people out of the pit. When you find healing and forgiveness, it's not your sin that's appealing, it's the fact that you found forgiveness that's appealing. For those of you that have been crushed and victimized, when you find the healing presence of God, you become a beacon of hope. 5280 has done an amazing job telling transparent stories. Andrea and I have opened up our lives and taken off the church pastor mask and showed you that we have done things in our life intentionally that have been disruptive to our testimony, but God has healed us. My wife has so graciously shared what was robbed from her. Her rage against a Savior that she has grown up hearing about her entire life in the healing process that God has brought in her life. And it's a power test, powerful testimony of God's love. In presence even when you 're mad at him and you don't want them there, Jesus will not allow your loss to be in vain. He will turn your mourning into dancing, and that doesn 't mean that it doesn't affect you anymore it's this inward joy that it 's a bittersweet experience you're dancing. But you remember the morning. It's not a detachment from the feelings. It's having them come full circle. See, we see this in first or second Corinthians chapter one. Listen to what it says. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So as God pours his love, comfort, sustaining grace, peace, hope, love, rest into our life, we are able to pour those things out on other people. So it's not just we have God's presence in our life, but God's presence in other people being poured into our life as well. So in other words, it's not just this internal spiritual thing as powerful as that is, is that there's the opportunity for us to comfort with God's comfort people that are sitting next to us. Your suffering is not in vain. You will heal, and you can help heal other people. Which brings us to our last and final way that God brings comfort. And it's really the bottom line, if you will. And it's a simple promise that you don't have to give in to the darkness. You don't have to give in to the darkness. People that have lost a loved one grieve so deeply, go so deep into depression that they feel like they have no hope, peace, love, or rest. You don't have to give in. People that have had the betrayal of a loved one that have walked away, you don't have to respond by bringing more pain into your life. You don't have to sink into the depths of, I'm not enough, I'll never be enough, I might as well just throw myself at everything that comes my way. Those of us that have been betrayed by our parents or other loved ones, we don't have to internalize their sin and make it our identity. We don't have to carry these things around. We don't have to give in to the darkness. Why? Because there's a voice in the middle of the morning saying, "Come near to me." Just as you are, where you are, I want you, I love you, I will give you peace, I will give you rest will give you hope, just come to me, just come to me, I'm here, I'll always be here. You want to know what that is? Very churchy word, it's called salvation. See, the message of the gospel isn't that God loves us, that's the motivation, But that's not the message. The message is redemption. What you have done does not define you and does not have to fill the world with hate and pain. What has been done to you doesn't define you and doesn't have to fill your heart with hurt and pain. It's redemption. God being able to take the darkness of the world and redeem it and make it light. That's the teaching of Jesus. And He offers us that with a simple invitation to draw near, to come, to believe that this is what He wants to give you, and to continue to believe that this is what will define your life, that you have nothing to earn or prove. See, this is the power of the Beatitudes, they build on one another blessed are their poor in spirit. Jesus, I have nothing to offer you spiritually. I've failed you. I've rebelled against you and I've been selfish. And God's like, I love you and I wanna redeem you and I wanna give you the kingdom of heaven where I'm ruling over your life and you're living in my goodness and experiencing my joy and my pleasure and my peace and my grace and my love for you. I wanna give this to you. I just wanna give it to you. Will you receive it? Will you trust me for it? Will you you come to me and live in this? I just wanna be with you. If you come to me. But no, God, if you, try to prove, if you try to prove yourself to him or earn his worth, you create a barrier between you and God. It's more of that rebellion. It's more of God saying, you know, you saying to God, it's my way. But God's like, if you lay that all aside and just come to me, by my grace, you will experience me in your life. That's the kingdom of heaven. No separation between you and God and every experience in life that follows good, bad, indifferent, I'm there. I want to be there. I'm there. I'm calling you. I want you. I care for you. I love you. We're going to get through this. Trust me. It's salvation. It's a free gift. For those that are living far from God and for those that have known about Him for a long time, every day, new mercies, every day, New faith every day, His presence. Why in the world would we not want that? Pride. See, so application today is this. Lay down everything that you think you are or should be or what God expects you to be and just come to him where you are. He's calling you.